Hi, I'm Ben. Hi, I'm Rob. We've been mates since we met at drama school in 2004. We're both actors, and for the last 10 years we've been working in all sorts of productions, from small fringe shows to big arena tours. We love the theatre, so we thought we would make a podcast to bring you a series of inspiring conversations with interesting people from the world of theatre. So this is our podcast. Welcome to Inside the West End. Inside the West End with Ben Morris and Rob Copeland. Thank you for downloading episode 16 of Inside the West End. Follow us on Twitter at Inside West End, or if you want to contact us, then email InsideTheWestEnd at gmail.com. Coming up, we speak to the prolific West End leading lady, Kerry Ellis. And Kerry is best known for her role as Alphabet in Wicked. She was the first British woman to play the role here in London. And after huge critical acclaim, she made that rare transfer to play the part on Broadway. As well as a massive CV of theatre roles, Kerry has also released music and toured extensively with Queen guitarist Brian May. So we met up with her to hear all about this and to hear about her upcoming return to the West End starring in the musical Murder Ballad. Before we get to the chat, we just want to say a massive thank you to all of you who have already gone to our website, InsideTheWestEnd.com, and donated. In the last week, we've had considerable contributions from Amelia Cormack and Irene Lavington so thank you so much as you know Ben and I make this podcast for free independently so every single contribution we really really appreciate thanks very much for those guys yeah so if you want to help us keep making the podcast it's very simple just go on our website which is insidethewestend.com and right there you'll see a donate button like a PayPal donate button like you might see on eBay click on that throw in a little donation and I'll keep us going and making this show for you. Now here's the chat with West End legend Kerry Ellis. This is Kerry Ellis and you're listening to Inside the West End. I'm very, very excited to be able to say the words. Kerry Ellis, welcome to Inside the West End. Yay, I'm very excited. (laughs) You are about to start in Murder Ballad later this year. We're going to ask you all about that later. But before we get to that, we'd love to take you right back in time and ask you to tell us about the young... Kerry Ellis. Oh my God, I don't even know if I can remember that. I've got massive baby brain at the moment because I've just uh, I gave birth about six months ago. So uh, and congratulations. Thank you very much. (laughs) Thank you. Um, But me as a child, um, I don't know. I had quite a. I mean, what's normal upbringing? Um, I was pretty balanced. I think I had an older brother, so we had a bit of a rough and tumble upbringing, um, which is quite normal. I think Uh, school. I wasn't a big lover of school, but I did a lot of arts and stuff while I was at school. I did every school play going and I did every kind of local pantomime or or drama thing that I could get my hands on. And then it kind of, for me, I I went straight to college, you know, well, that's where all my memories start. I think that's because where my passion starts. I went to a theatre college, so 16, um, I finished all my GCSEs and then went straight to drama college. What, what's your earliest memory performing in front of an audience, even if it's in a small church hall? Or my earliest memory is doing a local pantomime. I was a you know one of the babes. I was I was. Uh, I where, remember where having, was that? Where, where is local for you? Suffolk. I was in um, Stonemarket in Suffolk, and I remember having my hair sprayed black, and I remember it being awful. Like I remember the, I remember the smell of it. That's how vivid it was. Um, 
and being like a colour of the rainbow or something. I think it was the king and I, probably, obviously. I mean, I, I couldn't... The king and I, the yeah, phantom. Yeah, I think so. It was, some, it was like their local, you know, the local show at Christmas. I mean, it wasn't pantomime, but it was, you know. And uh, I just remember just being just horrified and being terrified by all these people. And I think I was so young that I didn't really get the whole performance thing. I was too young to even understand it. I had local dance lessons, nothing like very professional, literally local school, didn't really sing very much. Um, and that was it, really. I just had a... I knew that it was what I was going to do. I knew that I wanted to perform and I knew that I wanted to sing, dance and act. I didn't know in what capacity and I didn't know how it would evolve, but I knew I wanted to do it. Are we right in thinking that you, at about 16, worked somewhere called Star Makers uh, for a Potter's <laughs> Leisure Resort? Is this right? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't called Star Makers at the time, but I did. I went to do work experience there. So when I was 15, before I left school, I went to, um, to do some work experience because I didn't want to sit in an office. I didn't want to just do something regular I wanted to do something performance wise so I went and worked as like a an entertainer for a week and then they kept me on basically they kept me on for the whole summer I was probably cheap labor for them but um they kept me on for the whole summer and then uh I went back at like uh, weekends and Christmas and summer seasons right through college and did you know anyone who had done who had gone through that route in no. your family or anything no we my parents my dad was a, a policeman and my mum worked for social services I mean they couldn't have been and my brother's now a, a freshwater fish consultant we couldn't be more far from it you know and none of us had, had any experience my parents didn't know anything about it um it was my dance teacher that went to lane so that's what we knew um and we'd gone on holiday to Potter's, which is this star maker's place, um, when I was about 13. And I just said, well, how can I go there? Can I go and do... And they'd never had work experiences before. They've now since had loads. And loads of people have worked there since. Lee Mead and um, who else had gone? It was uh, the girl that won The Voice a couple of years ago. She was she was one of theirs. Daniel Boys, I think. You know, there's lots of people that have since gone and... And worked there, so um, I'm glad I was the first. <laughs> <laughs> so you really worked your way through to the top. You did cruise ships, uh, and then your first West. <laughs> Done it all. Yeah, your first West End job that was in My Fair Lady, famously in uh, where Martina McCut- McCutcheon was playing the lead role. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about that period, about when that came about? So it was my first uh, big West End show. I was I was second understudy. I wasn't even the first understudy. Um, and I was also a swing, so I knew like 13 roles in that show, which was, well, I still remember it because it was that many. I was like, ah, it's too many to learn. And I thought, you know, I'm never going to get on. She's a big superstar. It was, she was huge at the time. She'd just come out of EastEnders. She had an album out. She was massive. And I just thought, what a great opportunity. What a brilliant first job. I get to work with some amazing people. Jonathan um, Price uh, was Higgins. And... It was just a bit, it was a bit of a whirlwind and I think I was young enough to not be frightened of it. I think if it was me now, I I would know too much. Whereas at the time it was like, this is fabulous. You know, I'm, I'm just, I'm a swing. There was no pressure on me. There was no expectation. But when I did get to go on, um, you did hear the Martin McCutcheon is off and you hear the, you know, from the audience. But then when you go on and, and win them over, it's just... It gave me the bug even more. It just made me more hungry for it. Is it true the first time you went on that you had three hours to prepare? It is true. 
It is yeah. true. I remember because I, I was. It was at the national, and the national don't have second understudies, or they didn't at the time. They only had first um, understudies, and she'd been on. Alex, Jay, she'd been on um, a couple of times, I think, and she was really young as well. She was like 19, so her voice had gone, and I just don't think they were expecting me to to have to do it. So literally, Alex got obviously called in in the morning, or, or Martine called in the morning, then Alex called in. So the time was just ticking on, and I literally had a few hours. I got called in and went through the entire show with the resident director, just me and the resident in a room, not even on the stage. Um, just going through all the lines and the direction and everything, mapping it out really quickly. And then I had a few um, technical things to run on the stage just for safety. So I didn't get run over, basically. <laughs> I didn't die. Um, and that was it. And then I got literally, I don't even remember it. I, I don't even remember doing the show. I remember coming out the other side and going, what just happened? But is, it was incredible. Is it true Jonathan Price walked on stage before one of the performances <laughs> and announced application forms the role of a light he did yeah he did but, I mean for him you know he was having like three alphabets in one week or yeah. in one in a day he could have two you know because one would do the, the matinee and then one would do the evening so for him it it was um did I say alphabet yeah <laughs> yeah you did I, I wasn't going to correct you <laughs> I did didn't I yeah it happens in that show as well um <laughs> <laughs> Liza Doolittles it was that long ago see I can't even remember did you play alphabet no oh. never no <laughs> it's ingrained in me it's ingrained in me oh god he did he went out um, it wasn't the first time I'd been on I think it was a I don't know second or third and he did go out and said you know this is my third um Liza of the week so um, anybody that wants to you know put their names down and play the fourth or something along those lines. It hit the papers, of course. Um, but it was he was brilliant, you know. He was so good to me and really generous, really kind. And I, I think I learned... It was almost like school for me because I learned so much on that job, working opposite people like like him and Nicholas LeProvost, who was also a fantastic actor, and Dennis Waterman. You know, they were all just... They were so giving and supportive. And I was this young... You know, nobody'd heard of me. I was this young thing, probably not had a lot of acting classes in my life, and it, it was, it was amazing. It was, it was the best schooling ever. Talking of Alphabet Doolittle, um, <laughs> that's awful, isn't it? it it's because I'm so used to talking about it. Everyone <laughs> asks about it. <laughs> it's impossible to interview you whilst we're making a theatre podcast without mentioning Wicked. Um, you are the first British Alphabet. I was in London and New York. I was. Um, <laughs> I <think I'm> playing. <laughs> <laughs> the role was opened in London by Adina Menzel, mm-hmm. uh, and you. But you were in the company uh, was, during yeah. that period. Mm. What? How was? What was that period like? Waiting to take over. Well, when I first got the job, I wasn't aware that that, that was going to be the case. I was. I, I knew that I had the role. I didn't know that I wasn't going to open the show. So it was. A, I was a little bit. Um, uh, I was. I, it was. It would have been great for me because I could have been had the opportunity to be nominated for various things and opening a show is always you get to create something you get to you know work with all the all the original uh, creatives and so I was a little bit like oh how's this going to work but then I was actually in the company so I therefore got to work with Joe Mantello and uh, so therefore I got my training through him so I was kind of um, thrilled about that and then also Adina came over and there was such a hype about Adina that 
it was kind of great to take over from her anyway because there was such excitement to then kind of go right okay I've got to I've got to take this by the you know take the ball by the horns and and go with this because I've got to be that kind of flying the flag British person to go this is why I'm doing this role and then to take it to Broadway I mean was amazing. Do you remember your first performance as Elphaba? Did it happen before she left? Yeah, it did. I went on about six six or seven times, I think, oh. and it mid-show. So the first time I went on, I went on to sing Gravity. Oh, my God. Um, I think she came off just before... Yeah, literally just before the Gravity scene. <laughs> God, that probably suit some people. Well, just was, get on and smash the song. Kind of, you know, death by fire. It was kind of like, go for it. And I didn't have time to think. So it was kind of nice because before... I actually took over the role. I got to kind of have a couple of dummy runs, so it was it was kind of good. Where well, does your confidence come from, Kerry? It doesn't. <laughs> I don't have it. <laughs> it's all an act. <laughs> no, um, I, I think a lot of my confidence comes from I feel very fortunate to do what I do. I love what I do. I have real passion, and I think audiences audiences come to see you because they want to see you. And I think over the years, I've got my head around that. Whereas before, I used to think, oh, don't mess up or, you know, you've got to be amazing or you've got to sing something like that person or be this or... And whereas I think now I've learned to go, I'm okay with myself and it is what it is and if, you know, I'm just going to do the best that I can. I think it's just age. (laughs) Do Do you audition anymore? Yes, I do. I think people think I don't. I massively do. And, and it's harder. Well, that's the thing. How has that changed? How's your approach to auditions changed? I'm worse. If you think back to when you auditioned for We Will Rock You or, yeah. or even My Fair Lady, like, yeah. how have you changed? I'm worse. I I'm not very good at auditioning now. And I think because I feel that expectation, I feel that people kind of just know who I am coming into the room, so they expect more. And you know too many people. Like before, I wouldn't know anybody. I'd walk in, I wouldn't know the panel. It, it didn't matter. I could go in and do anything. Whereas now, I walk in and I know everybody. So it's like, it's it's awful. It's like auditioning <laughs> in front of, you know, peers. It's it's weird. But people you've worked with, it's kind of nice because they do know you. They know what you can do. So you do have, you have that. But I'm not very good at auditioning. I never have been, I don't think. Whilst we're talking about auditions, uh, in 2012, after having this massively successful theatre career, you made the decision to audition <laughs> for The Voice. Uh, and we almost, when we wrote this question, thought, should we ask about this or not? But we just wanted to know, what made you want to do it? What God. made you want to go on The Voice? It's funny, you t- you saying about 2012, because it, it's amazing that, it, like, four, five years on, I was in the first time it was here, obviously the first UK The Voice, I got called up by the show and they said, will you come on? And I thought, you know what, why not? I've done a ton of theatre. I've done, you know, you, you, I've done some amazing roles. And where do you go from that? The, the time for playing things like Gypsy and Norma Desmond, I'm not there yet. I'm not too young. And there's not, where's the next role? Where's the next big thing? Or where's the next challenge? And I was starting to do things as myself. I did a couple of little one-woman shows at the Hippodrome and... Uh, at the shore and I don't know if Brian and I had gone out yet on tour I think we had I think we'd done one so I'm starting to do things as myself and I just thought it's an opportunity and I get to sing in front of the nation they want me to go on the live show so why not what have I got to lose and again it was kind of I was one of the first people to start doing it Um, 
since then, you know, there's people have done, loads of people have done Britain's Got Talent, they've done The X Factor, and it's done brilliant things for them because it's about visibility. And I also think this industry is about putting yourself out there and keeping current. These reality shows are current, and I think sometimes you have to try it. And that was it, really. I didn't think much past it. Brian went mental at me. <laughs> he went absolutely different because he was like, why are you doing it? Why Or why... I didn't really tell him until like the week before. Yeah. So like, why are you doing that? And by Brian, you mean Brian May Mr. from May. Queen. Yeah, Mr. May. Who yes. you've recorded with and toured extensively with. Yeah, and I just saw it as an opportunity. And the interesting thing now is that people still talk about it. And on the night, people went divvy. And I think I was, uh, what do you call it, trending on Twitter. And people just went nuts. And mm. it, it kind of, it did me a favour. The following couple of weeks I went to the Olivier's as just as a guest and everyone went crazy it was like it, you know I was looking behind me when the when the paparazzi were there thinking who's just walked in you know because suddenly I was visible to to a different audience and people that perhaps haven't seen me before went oh okay maybe we'll go and see her do something and it people still talk about it yeah yeah <laughs> Hope you're enjoying the conversation. Stay with us and we'll be back to the chat in a moment. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast. We release a new episode every Sunday. And if you subscribe, it'll just appear on your device ready for you to listen to. It's really easy to subscribe. Just go to your podcast app. If it's an iPhone, then next to the logo for our show, you'll see a little settings wheel that looks like a cog. Click on that. A few options down, it says subscribe. Or if you're using an Android phone, then on the Double Pod or Podbean app, next to the logo of our show is the subscribe button. Press it. Easy as that. And the best part is it's completely free. Thank you to the people who have already left us a rating on iTunes. We really appreciate that. But we'd love some more. It only takes a couple of seconds and it makes a big difference to our placement in the charts. All of our previous episodes are still available for download. So why don't you go and check them all out? Make sure you stay tuned right to the end of the episode and you'll hear a clip revealing who's on next week's show. Now back to the chat with Kerry Ellis. Speaking of Brian, um, so you were in We Will Rock You in the original cast and then years later you end up recording and going on tour with a member of one of the biggest bands ever. How does (laughs) that... Just casual. Yeah. Just casually. (laughs) How does that happen and what has that process... What's that been like? So... Brian actually came to see My Fair Lady when I was on as a swing. I was on for one of the um, little roles. I think I was on for one of the maids or something or other. And he saw me in the show and said to... He came with Pippa Alien, who casts um, We Will Rock You, and said, who's that? And he only tells me that now. He probably didn't. He's probably making it up. (laughs) Um, And he came back when I was playing Eliza. And then they asked me to audition for We Will Rock You. Um, and so Brian was really in the room um, with with the rehearsals of Rock You. They changed um, they changed uh, No One But You, which is the song I sang. They yeah. put a key change in it in rehearsals because he actually worked really closely with the actors. And so he really knew my voice and knew me. And um, after the sh- we, we recorded No One But You for with an orchestra because they were taking it over to. Um, to Spain to open it in Spain so they recorded No One But You with a massive orchestra with this famous Spanish singer with which he brought the track back and said you've got to sing on this because you know it's a it's a no no brainer so I did and then from being in the studio with him 
then he was like, I'd love to do more with you. I'd love to kind of do a do an album. So I thought about it for three seconds and uh, I said, uh, <laughs> I said, yeah, I'd love to. So we actually worked together from when I left um, Rock You. We were kind of in the studio on and off over those years, kind of trying things out. And uh, we've got a t- we've actually got a ton of stuff that just has never materialised because it, we were just trying to figure out what my sound was, what was right for an album, where we worked, how we worked together, whether it should be a duo, whether it should be just me, whether he should be on it at all. Did you ever, and have <laughs> you ever, gotten over the fact that it's Brian May? Like, I'm, I know that's a silly question. I've worked, <laughs> I've worked with with you know names before, and quite quickly you just get used to it. And it's fine, but yeah. I just think with, a, with someone as big as him and so iconic, and even in his look and his, yeah. Do you ever get over that? Well. It's funny, on a day-to-day, if we're in the studio or rehearsing or doing a show, if, if we're working together, it's fine and it's I don't even think about it. Because it's been such a gradual process, um, he, did, he obviously was touring with Adam Lambert at the moment and they did a some kind of tour last year and he did Wembley and I went to see him at Wembley and it was only then that I went... Oh my God, that's Brian May. <laughs> and it, just because even when even when he played on the roof at Buckingham Palace, um, excuse me, we, we I was there. Yeah. I was there in Rocky, so I was there in capacity, and it, it's a different thing. But seeing him not performing together in his Queen state, that was when I go, Oh my God, that's ridiculous. Yeah. But then we. But then I like speak to him after the show, and I'm like, oh, it's brilliant, you know. So it's it's funny that like, he's brilliant. This is a question we ask a lot of the guests, and that is: is show business a game you have to learn to play? Now, there's different interpretations of that, but what, what's your opinion on on that? I still feel feel that I'm figuring it out. I think that people it's, people ask sometimes, um, you know, when did you when did you know that you'd made it, or when did you know that you know things had changed for you? And I don't think they ever do. I think the thing about this industry it's about longevity and it's about sustaining a career it's it's all very well to do one big show and get a ton of publicity and everybody know who you are and then what happens next you know you've got to kind of keep going you've got to keep doing great things I, I don't think it's a game I think a lot of it is circumstantial because the right show has to be there you have to be available they have to want you um and that gets tougher the older you get because you have more responsibilities. You know, I've got two children now and I can't just take off and go on a tour for a year. But this industry is incredibly competitive and you have to be available and you have to be uh, you have to be flexible. So has motherhood changed your view of the industry? Uh, a lot, but only personally. It's changed. It's changed me a lot because... I've taken the pressure off myself. I think before before as a mother, I, I was so um, aware of myself and I would, not obsess, but I, I had this kind of need to be a, brilliant. Every time I went out, I had this need to be, if I didn't get things, I would be tough on myself. Whereas now I'm, I'm more accepting of how I am. So I give myself a bit of a break now, whereas... I, I still go out and want to give the best that I can do and chase everything that I can and be driven, which I am. But I'm just okay with stuff a bit more. We've been trying to set up this interview for 
maybe six months now. <laughs> I, I counted the emails. Oh, 41 darling. emails. Oh, my God. Is it yeah, really? Yeah, between the initial one oh and and today. Oh, no. In fact, 42. Oh, my God. <laughs> but that's... That was, I'm on my way. I'm in a cab. I'm so sorry I'm late. <laughs> a lot of that was, oh, sorry, I, I'm giving birth next week. And <laughs> two weeks later, oh, I'm on a gig here. Like, yeah. you, it hasn't slowed you down at all it would appear yeah if anything I'm more busy how do you make it work well I think when you love something you just make it work and I also I'm very fortunate to have a really um, a supportive husband I have great family around me Um, my parents are great my in-laws are great Um, we have a great support system which allows me to to do this we make it work it's tough it's tough and and you do you have to sacrifice certain things but but that's 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 the job but i love it i love the craziness of it and i like the not knowing what's next and i might have a call uh, literally get an email and have to go somewhere to do a job or i might i like the versatility the the difference of it i like that you can be doing one thing one day and mm. then do something completely different the following day and we know that one of the things you've got coming up is of course murder ballads yeah could you tell us a bit about that? <laughs> yes, I've literally just come from the sound check. We were uh, we're doing West End Live on Sunday, um, or it may have already gone. I don't know when this goes out, and it's really exciting. It's going to be at the Arts Theatre in um, October, November. It's a four hander, and it's just it's just really exciting. I've, it's 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 very different for me um, because it, I've never done anything this intimate before in the West End. It's literally there's four of us. Huge cast. Can you tell us who's, who's in the show? Yeah, so we've got we've got. Um, Vicky, who's um, just come out of In the Heights, and she's just given birth as well. She's a mother. I think her little one's about four or five months. Um, we've got Ramin, obviously, who's just adorable. And R- Ramin and I have known each other for years, but we've never worked together. So this is really exciting for us. Um, and I think the same for him. He's never done anything like this, you know, never done anything intimate. And it's a really tiny um, theatre. It's raw. We're quite exposed um, and lovely Norman Bowman, who again I've not met before until we started to um, to do this job, and he's just wonderful. Um, I'm super super excited about it. And the show was originally originally done off Broadway. Yeah, is it the exact same piece, or has it been changed at all? We've got the same piece, but um, I think we've given permission to kind of move it around a little bit. Sam Yates is going to be um, the director, who's amazing um massively um up and coming i think he's going to be huge he's doing some incredible things at the moment so i think they they just want it to work in london so i think we're given the the freedom if you like to um make it work for us however that is and what's it about so it's um it's a love story essentially that goes a little bit wrong <laughs> given the word murder uh, yeah <laughs> given the word murder the funny thing is it's it's more about the relationships obviously the murder happens but it's it's not really the the main thing it's it's all about uh, i don't want to give too much away really it's it's done in one act it's 90 minutes um so there's no interval uh bander on stage and it's 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 exciting <laughs> That's all I can kind of tell you, really. <laughs> Our final question is always the same to each guest. And it is, if you were to give one piece of advice to somebody who wanted to work inside the West End, oh. what, what would that be? I think it would be, you have to love it. You have to love it. It's a tough business. You could be working one day and not the next. And... It's very competitive, especially now because more and more people want to do it. And there's so many people out there that are brilliant. But if you love it and you have passion for it, 
you make it work and you have drive then and if you if you don't have that find something else find something else that you love and you and you're good at <laughs> wonderful piece of advice thank Yay. you so much Kerry for <laughs> taking you. the time to speak to us <laughs> so there she was that was Kerry Ellis uh, Murder Ballad playing in London later this year at the Arts Theatre go online check it out Kerry Ellis and Ramin Karimloo it's clearly a must see Remember to stay tuned to the very end for a clip of the next episode. But before that, we make this podcast for free. If you've enjoyed it and you'd like to help us make future episodes, then here's how you can. Next time you shop online with Amazon, visit InsideTheWestEnd.com first. Click on any of the Amazon adverts on our site. It will take you straight to Amazon. Your shopping will cost you exactly the same as normal, but Amazon will give us a small kickback as a thank you. Also on InsideTheWestEnd.com, you'll see a donate button. If you'd like to make a direct contribution, then click on the button and follow the link. Now, as promised, we have a clip of the next episode with the man born in Buenos Aires who became one of the biggest pop stars in Latin America and then a West End star. It's Geronimo Rauch. You have the moment which I think every performer dreams of, of being spotted and invited to take the role to London. Yeah, that's a beautiful turning point. And um, Cameron, since he saw me rehearsing, and he said, I always believed in you. And I was like, sorry? And he said, yeah, since the beginning, you were my Jean Valjean. (laughs) 